She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. I'm your host, Jill Ritchie, and this is the second last Friday episode before season four finishes. We have this one and then we have next week and that's us done, season four in the bag. I have enjoyed it so, so much. Before I talk about today's guest, I just want to talk about the sponsor of this week's episode. So the sponsor of this week's episode is Esteva, who are a medical aesthetics clinic. Now I was invited along to their clinic this week and I had the most incredible experience. Literally, I went there a little bit frantic because I've been so busy this week. I went in there from the second, like literally, no joke, from the second I walked in the building. The smell, the energy, the feeling in my body that I felt, um, it was so relaxing, so peaceful, so calming. Um, and I had a hydrofacial. So I've never had a hydrofacial before, but I had Lindsay do a hydrofacial for me. Oh my goodness, what a gorgeous experience. I actually fell asleep twice. Um, and yeah, my skin feels so, so amazing. I would say if anyone is in the Stirling area, it is in Stirling. So if you are in the Lothians, Edinburgh, Fife, Stirling, get yourself along to Steva Aesthetics Clinic. What a gorgeous experience that you will have. So for you or your loved one, there is so much that you can get in this clinic. So take yourself along and enjoy it. I've dropped the link below so that you can give them a follow on Instagram and you can check out their website. Perhaps you want to gift someone something gorgeous, maybe for Valentine's or yourself. You know, I'm all about self-love too. So let's talk today about our guest. My guest today is the very wonderful human being, Kelly Johnston. So for those of you who don't know who Kelly Johnston is, Kelly Johnston is a relationship and intimacy coach. But before she was a relationship and intimacy coach, Kelly and I met a few years ago when she attended a six-month mastermind coaching program that Lynette Gray and I were running. And that was my first the first time that I'd ever actually met Kelly and I was coaching her and mentoring her with Lynette. And then I didn't really see Kelly for a while after that. And last week I saw something pop up on Instagram as you do. And she shared something about intimacy and sex and vulnerability. And I thought, well, of course that's going to pique my interest because that's right up my street. And it's everything that we're talking about in season four. So I reached out to her and we had a little conversation back and forth and I invited her to come on the podcast because her story, um, her authentic truth is so incredible. And I admire her so much for being so vulnerable and sharing what she shared in this episode. She talks about working in the sex industry and her time working in the sex industry her relationships with narcissists and abusive partners. She talks about dating apps and the pitfalls um, and dangers of dating apps and how she wants to change that moving forward. This is a really great episode, guys. So as always, be kind, open your mind, because this is really happening out there in the world. So it might not be in your bubble, but it is happening in the world. And I love that Kelly is opening up this space and speaking her authentic truth. Um, just before we head across... Before you go, I want to tell you about the S word. I opened up the S word last week. It is a half day workshop that I am running for anyone that is either in a relationship or has been in a relationship and wants to improve their relationship. I know that there's a lot of people out there. And because I called it the S word, you know, it's not all about sex. So I don't want people to be put off and feel shamed and embarrassed. If you're in a relationship and you struggle at all with 
vulnerability, about asking for what you want, about getting your needs met, about connection or communication with your partner, and you want to take it to the next level, then go check out the link in the show notes for the S word, read a bit more about it, have an open mind. If you're going to spend the next 20 or 30 years with your partner, you want to make sure that it is the best relationship that you can have. So let me help you get there. It's on Sunday, the 6th of March. It's only £99, guys. So come and join me. So without any further ado, I'll stop talking and we'll go into today's episode. Have a great weekend, guys. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. So welcome to She Loves Herself, Kelly Johnson. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited. I know. So Kelly, I am really excited to have you on the podcast because we are coming towards the end of season four. So this is season four for She Loves Herself and everybody that's been listening to it knows that I've taken this season in a completely different direction. Well, I say not completely, but started it sort of towards the end of season three, opening the space up um, around sex and intimacy and just carried it through to season four because I feel like as I've opened up and evolved in this space, I'm just seeing so much everywhere else that oh, we're, we're, a lot of us are really closed off um, to it and we hold a lot of shame in this space and it's such a complex space to be in and we've had so many fantastic guests and I just thought to get someone like you on who's been on I hate to say it been on our journey I've <laughs> <laughs> oh, been on our journey but um, I so funny because Kelly and I um, met through a group program yes and you know, we'll go in and we'll talk a wee bit about that and about a couple of things that came up in that. And then I sort of went away and did something else and, and so on. But then I, I, as I was doing this, I saw that you'd posted something on Instagram about naked and, and sexuality. And I'm like, whoa, what's Kelly doing? How have I missed this? You know, there's so much on Instagram. We get so much. And I've obviously, I've missed it. And I'm like, what is going on? So I reached out to you, didn't I? And I was like, we need to talk. We really need to talk about this. So, Kelly, for those people listening to this that don't know who you are, just tell them a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, so so my name's Kelly, and uh, so I have uh, I, well, I owned a bar for for fifteen years. That was uh, my first introduction to being absolutely overwhelmed with loads of different types of people and. Well, well, I've travelled a lot as well, and and I suppose uh, just I think the judgment and shame that was when sort of it first appeared for me mm. so so obviously like the way I approached being a landlady of a bar and I used sort of my sexuality and and uh, mm. my my presence to to get custom basically like that's the way yeah. that I knew how that was my identity. Um, I mean, years leading up to that, I'd been, you know, I dipped my hand in sort of lap dancing and, you know, various other things in relation to the, the sex industry. And I, it was part of my identity, but <laughs> but it was it was quite strange because I was completely disconnected from my body. I mean, I never would have thought about masturbating. I certainly didn't feel that I'd ever acknowledged myself being horny you know unless mm. it was like the honeymoon phase with with a, a, a person I was dating or whatever but yeah. so I think once I got in, onto my journey <laughs> once I got into my journey and, and realized that I was this huge person this this just so many angles and dynamics to who I am, I have I realized I had about you know 10 personalities, maybe more. <laughs> and uh and and you know, and, and I shamed a lot of those parts of myself mm. because I had I'd believed everything that society and all the people that I was surrounded with um led me to believe about myself, you know. You went into that space but now you are a coach and you're an intimacy and relationship coach right yeah so so the, the the greatest the greatest sort of insight and breakthrough that i had through the self development journey 
was realizing that the journey inwards was the most significant journey that you'll take in your life. Mm -hmm. And I was the person that was going to Australia, to America, to Spain, to, to, you know, anywhere that, that I felt like going in search of something. Yeah. And, and never ever sort of finding it, but enjoying myself at the same time. But th there was just always this piece missing. And, and what, what that coaching journey did for me was, was it, it gave me that realization that, we just need to travel within to find the answers. Mm -hmm. And so when I when I became a coach, I then wanted to find myself in a position where I had a niche, if you like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of experience with, you know, alcohol and, and uh, partners where that had been sort of, like it caused a lot of destruction in my life and, and maybe me with them and, and you know, just all these relationships, intimate relationships and all the, the external factors that come into it. And I think the biggest thing for me was I just couldn't get over how disconnected I was from my body, mm. even though I was regarded and regarded myself as a very sexy woman mm. and used my identity as being a sexy woman to attract things into my life like yeah. business or partners or, you know, and, yeah. you know, even friends. I like friends who are sexy and open mm. and, you know, and uh, here I am, didn't even ever think about sex or intimacy. So interesting, Kelly, and I want to touch on that, right, because um, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on. You mentioned about, like, I've got, like, had, like, 10 different personalities. And I think, again, that's something that we seem to shame. But there are so many different layers to us. Like, there is the sexual layer, the intimate layer, the um, fun layer, the expressive one, the quiet one, the shy one, the vulnerable one. But this is part of being a whole person. Yeah, I, I really feel that society tries to pigeonhole us into being, you know, a certain version of someone. And, you know, don't deviate from that. Stay in this box and do not deviate. And the minute we feel vulnerable or we feel sexual or we feel angry or we get emotional, it's like we've come out the box and we think, oh my God, you know, I've, I've jumped out of the box that I've been put in and, you know, everyone's going to hate me and I feel so much shame around that. I shouldn't feel anything other than what I should feel in this box. But it's called being a human and it's that identity is various different identities. It's not just one. I mean, I can wake up and I have, you know, 10 different emotions in one day, Kelly. I can wake up tired, you know, a bit crabbit. Then I can be hyper and dancing around and then I can feel really tired and then I can feel emotional. This stigma and, and, and I remember when in, you were in the group program and we've talked about this before when you said I wanted what was it again it was like vodka what was it you said again I said, I said um, <laughs> it was probably one of those pivotal moments of my whole life you know that and and just to have that being held mm -hmm. um what I said was is that you know one day I wake up and I want to be a policewoman and the next day I wake up and I want to uh, swig vodka and dance on tables yes <laughs> And if you, you know, if you, if you really expand that, you know, it, like some days I want to go and volunteer in Africa and, and help build an orphanage. And the next I want to go to Dubai and, and suck up all the, the greed, you know, like I'm wanting uh -huh. to go to the best seafood restaurant and wear designer clothes, you know, it's, yeah. it's and, yeah. and, and I was so lost, like, who am I? You know, but but do you think that you were lost or you felt lost, right? Because you know that you're never lost, right? When you do this work, and I know you've done so much work in this, Kelly. Like you've done so many trainings, so many coach uh, coaching courses, and everything. But do you think it is that we are lost or that we are trying to fit in this box that society says we should be in, and because we deviate from it, we feel lost? But actually. What if we were just to accept that one day we do want to dance on tables and have a vodka or wine, whatever your preference is, um, and the next day we want to, you know, be the policewoman or be the nurse or whatever it is? Like, that's like, for me, that's that's wholeness and that's all of the feelings and things that we take on on a day-to-day -day basis that, that shape how we are and how we feel and how we react to certain things. But it's those labels 
that we're given, isn't it? I mm. I feel it's the labels we're given that, you know, I shouldn't want to dance on tables because mm. what that's slutty or I shouldn't want to, you know, use my sexuality to attract men. And you know what? Some women don't want to do that, but some women like the way that feels. Like some women really love to get turned on and to turn other men and women on. Like what is wrong with that? Sometime, you know, at some day that someone made up a rule that, you know, that's really slutty and shameful to do it. So suddenly we take on, if I feel like I want to do that, then I'm a slut or then I should feel shame because I Mm. want to do that. But to me, as we are opening up this space and I've, you know, really been opening up and and I'll talk to you about what, what you've learned is that actually it's much more normal than you think. What's not normal is us demonizing people for making choices that really suit, um, and are true to them. Yes, absolutely. And this, um, I think for me, I've been writing a lot about this uh, recently because I I have felt that I've battled with alcohol over the years and I'm really kind of, you know, seeking around what is my relationship with alcohol and, and wh- why is it that we use alcohol to bring this person out in us that, Mm-hmm. that we really want to be you know it's it's creating the pe- the version of ourselves that is drawn to, to to use the alcohol and and that's the person that I am you know closing the gap on mm-hmm. and and you know I was very I was totally lost when I took part in your group program and I have found myself lost myself and found myself mm-hmm. yet again something that you said around um the when you 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 had the bar and um there was alcohol thing um uh, and then you did sort of lap dancing and stuff how did that feel do you feel that that had a part on you numbing because you had shame around that then is do you feel that that's why you numbed yeah because because i mean all all my little choices, all little choices, all my big choices, <laughs> all my uh, choices in life have, have had, like, I suppose, you know, just too too light and dark on them, I suppose. So when, when I was, I think I was 21, when I was first got curious about lap dancing, and back then there was good money to be made in it, and I felt quite up for it. Um, mm. I was like, I was quite curious, you know, and I actually found it the most empowering liberating job that I'd ever had up until that time you know to get all dressed up and hang out with the girls and men come in and give you 20 pounds for a three minute song you know like and it was I didn't have any like it was good I I remember driving home and all the all the money in my handbag I was like it was just pouring out and it was a great feeling I'd go away out and have a great time and but it had to be my little secret. It was my little secret from everybody, all my friends, my family. You know, I had a full-time job and I used to just do it at the weekends and things. But I used to have this wonderful little secret. It was it was so empowering. And, yeah. And, and meeting the girls as well that, that do it. If it. You know, I worked in well-run places and, you know, it was good management and good, healthy girls, you know, that were hungry for... Mm-hmm. to succeed and, and a lot of them students and things you know and it was just I just felt yes that there was an element of disconnecting from my body um, because that's I mean you're not going to connect with guys you're just meeting yeah. and then showing them your but for me I, I compared it to going to the doctors mm. you know you'd be you'd be dancing and grinding but all you're really thinking about is you know, what what you're going to spend the money on or what you should, will I go out tomorrow? Uh-huh. Should, I phone, should I phone my friend? You know, or this not, music is good. <laughs> I, or this music I love this good. song. <laughs> I know, I hope, I hope he stays for another dance. <laughs> but you know, and I think that's it. But what I'm really tuning into even with you as you're speaking, Kelly, that you said I was up for it and I enjoyed it and I had fun, but it almost felt shameful and a secret. So it's like you've, almost desensitized yourself from it because it's like oh you're dirty you're shameful you hear it like without even anyone saying the words you took on that narrative like because you kept it a secret 
um, and it felt shameful. So often then we numb with alcohol because it's like, I can't be my most authentic self. My friends and family don't even really know this huge part of my life. So you end up faking and pretending to be someone that you're not. Mm -hmm. And therefore that can really disempower you. So in one way you're feeling empowered, but underneath it, you're feeling so disempowered because you're holding so much shame around something that you actually loved doing. And we're seeing now that there's such a shift that, I mean, changes are coming around, you know, um, sex industry and all of that stuff and, you know, OnlyFans and everything like that. And there was a show on last night, it was called Boobs on Channel 4. And um, I was watching it. And again, it's about women feeling more empowered to take control back. Do you feel like when th that had a negative impact when you did it then? So although there was like, you know, you numbed from that, how, what was the negative impact? Like, did you get that sensation back or was that something that you ended up carrying into, you know, relationships and things where you felt numb with intimacy? Mm -hmm. I think that, um, I think it definitely contributed to, to all of my relationships. I mean, I've been single for 10 years and um, I think I, I created a, probably a, a story in my mind around men, mm. um, which was also um, strengthened by some of the things that men have said to me over the years, you know, um, things I would, I would never forget. Like mm. an ex said to me once that men would only want to, can I swear on this? Yeah. Men would only want to fuck me. And and mm. I remember thinking, oh, okay, it, but I love you. That was my boyfriend. I love you, but uh. other men just want to fuck you. And and, and just, it, it never left me. And I, and I think because of the way that men have responded to me and the way that I look in things over the years, I've always just kept that story running the, the, the just the just yeah the belief that men just want to and 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 I've just relived it constantly um because mm. every man does and then they leave you know and and that's mm. you know there's not really much more substance to it but um but I, I've had a bit of a it's a, a bit of a it's almost like I felt like a disconnected because I worked in the sex industry and I mean, I worked further on, Jill, when I travelled in Australia, um, I worked in a, in a club and I was, you know, a sex worker in a club. Mm -hmm. um, it was legal out there. I don't think I would have done it had it been illegal, but I felt very safe in, a, in a, an environment where I was safe to, to, to do that job, you know. But I think with it, it's like I've got, I still love men. Well, I'm heterosexual, so I still love men. And I still, I'm still so open to having a long-lasting, loving, trusting relationship. On the other hand, I still have lots of stories running associated mm -hmm. with all my ex life experiences. Um, I really admire the men that walked into the, the, the clubs you know, like a sex club or a lap dance, and they 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 make it a transaction. You know, you're, I I um, I will give you my energy for this energy, mm. and that is a responsible thing to do, in my opinion. Um, but then you get men who are on date naps or in a club, and they'll just lie their way into your bed, and and mess with your head and leave you scarred. You know, mm. so. I'm kind of going a bit, I'm going a bit no, all over the place here, but it's, there's just so many, there's so many versions of why I could be disconnected to my body. And I think that when I do meet someone who does become someone quite significant in my life, they will again, I'll be traveling through this, this mirror, you know, they'll be holding up the mirror again for me to travel through new triggers, new emotions, new feelings, new thoughts. And I'd like to be able to share myself authentically with all my experience in life that brought me to that moment. You know, mm -hmm. someone who's got a nice big open mind to be able to. <laughs> For sure. But to accept all that. <laughs> Kelly, going back to your relationship. So the one that had said, you know, 
I love you, but no one else will pretty much that's what he's saying, right? And they just want you for sex. Do you remember that always being the narrative in most relationships that you ever were in that there was kind of narcissistic behavior where, yeah, where there was control and things like that, that would say something to you that would, you know, gaslight you or, yeah, pretty narcissistic behavior, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. And and always the way that I, that same person told me if, if he didn't get it at home, he would get it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel as well. I mean, my my daughter's my daughter's dad was a he was a or he is or was whatever a, a great looking guy and very sporty and you know likable man. And and I still felt, you know, I had to kind of force myself to to have sex mm-hmm. with with most of the relationships that I had actually. In, um, and I, I actually feel so much. I feel so sorry for that person that I was that that got to that stage where you were hanging on to a relationship, you know, just getting through it by you know forcing yourself to to have sex because thinking that they'll get it elsewhere if you're not putting out. Um, yeah, I think that probably there's people listening to this that can relate to that. Um, in terms of just doing it because they feel that they have to or there's a duty to do it. And that's when, whenever, you know, you are having sex, it's such a vulnerable space to be in um, for so many people. And so when you are physically naked and emotionally naked, that's as, as vulnerable as it gets. And so if you feel like you are, n- your partner isn't making you feel safe, because you want to feel safe when you're vulnerable. When you're vulnerable, you want to feel safe, right? And if you don't feel safe in that space, that you take on that belief is that, you know, sex isn't safe. It's And so when we feel safe, we go into fight or flight or freeze. So often you'll go into just freeze and you'll just numb from that. So you'll check out emotionally, you'll check out physically. But that energy exchange is there. So you are taking that on. And if every time it's like, a chore or you feel like you don't want to do it and you check out emotionally physically sexually um what is that really what is that story that and that belief around sex and intimacy that you're taking on it's not a good one is it it's not a good story around it it's definitely not making you feel um safe or loved or close or connected to a partner you know Yes. So, so my core desires, I wouldn't have never, I would never have known what they were and what that was all about, uh, mm-hmm. say, 20 years ago. And my core desires are, you know, it, it's, it's what turns you on, what does it for you? And some of the things that does it, well, that does it for me, <laughs> do, it for, do it for me, is, um, you know, things like, you know, with me and my daughter's dad, we're living together. We shared a home. And I, I felt I really liked it if he secured the house at night and, and took yeah. the wheelie bin out and maybe checked my tyres for air or checked my car for oil mm-hmm. or maybe picked up something that we were needing for the home. That turned me on. Mm-hmm. I felt really, oh, he's really invested here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a friend that's like that too, by the way. He says that about her partner. She's like, see if you just... See if he tidied up the house. I mean, I'd really fancy him. <laughs> and it's true. And because, because he never did these things, and I felt he was quite happy to sit in the house, and I was mm-hmm. a hard-working woman and providing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd get up to bed, you know, and, and I was the person that locked the door. I was I, I just felt as though I I was driving with my masculine energy all the time. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't then get into a bed and go come ravish me do you know what I mean like because I just looked at him like well beneath me yeah like I I felt I was the one wearing the trousers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know that me Jill I'm 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 quite a strong woman you know yeah you know and it just was never going to intimately connect but if I had had the conversation with him if I'd had all these this information way back then and said look really turns me on when you do these things you know mm-hmm. if I had been able to have that conversation yeah you know, our relationship would have been completely different instead of all this resentment 
just walking around feeling rejected and for sure for sure and that you talked about the masculine energy and that for sure comes from you being having to almost protect yourself a lot right so that masculine energy because actually there'll probably be deep-rooted beliefs around there even though you you love men as you've said but there will be some core core beliefs that have been ingrained in there around men you know um how they've treated you in the past um how they've disrespected you you know and and in the industry you know you've seen a lot of men coming in and out and okay it's an exchange and it's business but there will be something that would have been deep-rooted in there around men so to protect yourself you kick in with a masculine energy Right. I mean, I've I in, in a different way had more masculine energy in the relationship for sure. I felt like I wanted to, I was frightfully independent, didn't ever want to ask a man for help. So therefore, you know, didn't really get it. I mean, I didn't not get it, but when even they wanted to get it, give it, I was like, oh, go away, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but I think we're not taught how to communicate in relationships. And this no. is the thing. We're not taught this stuff. It's like Stay in a relationship, especially if you've got kids and, you know, unless it's so bad. And I mean, it's got to be really, 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 really bad before you're allowed to go. Because we're taught from our grandparents and our great grandparents is that women, women shut up and put up. Well, I was just about to come on to this because uh, I've been giving this a lot of thought. So, you know, you spoke about my experiences with men, but... I witnessed my my mum was a single parent as well. And um, so I witnessed her relationship with men. Mm. But I was been thinking about this. My gran was actually one of the, you know, rare women who left her husband. Um, and I think it was 1961. And I think mm. I, I actually recall seeing a photograph of her having a divorce party. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so you're thinking that must have been maybe even just touching the 70s. So, and my gran always looked like a gran. She always had white hair and little glasses and everything always, <laughs> even at the photos of her divorce party, she's still there. And she was, she was never with another man again. And my gran was, I, and she was never with a man. And, um, but I've been thinking about this. Where, where, where do I fit in with, because my relationship with my own mother's been very difficult and then I skip a generation. I'm thinking maybe I've got something a wee bit more in common with my gran, mm-hmm. you know, oh, for where, sure. where she wanted more change and and lived her true authentic life. And but she'd also had this experience of a man where it was abusive. But she left and she stood up and for her rights and left. Mm. Um, and then, but then my mum was more. I remember my mum the the. I just remember the energy of being desperate, you know, to be validated mm. by men, and she, she she was putting a lot of pain with men. She was she put a lot of energy into it. I remember it being the, the sort of focus of her life for all of our lives, you know. Um, mm. So was yes. that having a man? You mean like having a man? There was yeah. a lot of focus on it, and she, she lived it quite publicly as well. I mean you know our, our stories would be shared and for all to, to hear you know and and I she lived it very openly her life in her relationships with men and she was shamed she was shamed by her family and and then I felt shame because she was so different from other mothers and you know and then I've just went on to live my life and repeated everything that she did <laughs> wow so interesting isn't it because it's learned behaviour, though. Mm-hmm. Learned. And I've done the work, and, and I try to sort of say to her now, do the work, but they're, they're, they're very resistant, the generation. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, even if she doesn't, the fact that you're doing it, you definitely heal for, you know, the past and the future. Um, and that's what's beautiful about you doing the work. You know, it's it's so interesting because I'm I'm talking to you right now and um I've known you for a few years, but we we're always learning, aren't we? We're learning so much. Like we're learning about, you know, what we take from our ancestral line. We're learning that a lot of the trauma didn't start with us, that it was passed down to us through our lineage. We're learning that everything is a learned behavior. 
we're learning that so many things aren't truth that we identify as X, Y, or Z person or this or that, but none of it's true. And actually, if we unpick it, we were born, you know, we were born whole and complete. You know, our soul chose us to, to live on this path. And anytime we want, we can get off the bus and choose again. But we have been programmed by society to fear abandonment, fear being ostracized. So we become so attached. But if we only realize the power that we have is to, to and living your most authentic truth and doing this work really does set you free. Like freedom isn't when you're searching, when you mentioned searching and traveling to, to get peace, right? To find this thing somewhere else in another country, in another place and moving around. And I used to think that too, oh, I need to get out of where I am. Or I need to do this. I need to be away. What I was really, when I got down to it, what I really wanted was freedom. And what did freedom look like? And it was actually being able to speak my truth, to ask for what I wanted to say how I really felt about a situation, even though it felt terrifying to do it. But that's what you're doing now. And whether you're, you know, 44 or 84, the fact that you're doing it is amazing. You know, and every every decision that you've made has been a lesson. Like it's mm-hmm. been a lesson for you because it's taken you a path now, Kelly, where you've studied intimacy and relationship coaching and sexology and And now you're going to go on because now you're teaching it. Now you can go on and you'll be so equipped to deal with so many different types of people who have been where you are or are where you have been, sorry. And you'll be able to help them in that path that perhaps I could never do because I've never walked a day in your shoes before. So it's amazing. We see it as a a big, oh God, you know, I've got regrets and I, I wish I'd done that, but actually just really embodying it, saying, well, look at the people that I can now serve and I can now help that have been or are where I have been because you can help them because you've lived it and breathed it. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Jill. It's so, so lovely of you to say. And, and um, you know, you got me thinking there about, we exchanged a couple of voice messages voice messages last night and you said you know how how do I feel that I could coach couples and things and it's not something that I've done as yet because I'm fairly new into the this the intimacy and relationships coaching and I and I think I replied to you oh I'd be I'd be nervous because I've not been in a relationship for so long I've completely dis- disconnected from what it's like to actually be in a relationship but you got me thinking right and I thought well how would I hold the space you know for a couple you know, and I think just, I think what what we really forget sometimes when we're part of a couple is who we were when we, when we first met, you know, mm. that we were whole and full and complete when we first met. Like we met our friends, we walked the dog, we, we went to the gym, we, we did our fruit juicing or whatever we do, you know, we... Or, or we guzzled mm. vodka and drank on table, <laughs> and drank on tables. Aye, like it's we were all of these people before the mm. relationship, and I think um, we always need to look within and begin with us. Yes, you know, sister. And, yes, and and you know what what am I being shown here mm-hmm. through my struggles? Mm-hmm. What what is the what's the light getting shone on me? And and I think if I was working with couples, that's exactly what I would be, you know, holding the space and and just mm-hmm. slowly bringing them, bringing them home in to themselves, <laughs> bring for them home. Sure. So you said you know I've not been in a a, a long term relationship for ten years, but but actually the best relationship and the most important one is the one with yourself because if you are well if you were to coach someone, I say that you had a couple and you're you're trying to coach them. If you can't get them back to their own whole self, then you're basically saying the other person, they need the other person to be complete. And that's not the case. So you might not be in a relationship, but you're in a relationship with yourself and you've done the work on yourself and you're continuing to do the work on yourself. And that's what we teach, isn't it? That's what we teach everyone to come home to themselves, to get vulnerable with themselves before they get vulnerable with their partner. Again, you're brought up, Kelly, by your mum who always felt like it was important to have a man. Mm-hmm. So you always then believed that 
okay, well, I'm not complete unless I have, well, yeah. we, you know, the same, the other half, right? The other half of what? I was just right? about to say that to you. <laughs> the other half. So yeah. you're thinking, well, I'm number one, I'm not complete. So I need another half to make me whole. And then this other half person showing up like you're showing up for yourself. So never once did you ask someone to gaslight you, to show narcissistic behavior to you. But because you weren't really tuned in and turned on to who you were and knew that you were enough Mm -hmm. all on your own without that and that anyone else that comes in is just, you know, it's someone that's a a beautiful byproduct of the love that you have for yourself and they just add value over and above what you've got yourself anyway. But you became attached before they even came in. You were attached to having someone. So the minute you're attached to them, the second they pull away or they say something to you, you believe them to be right. You're like, oh, well, that doesn't feel true to me, but because they've said it, then, you know, men are better than women. So I'm supposed to kind of believe them and, you know, I better just like be quiet and and not really say anything. Just And over time, if something's affirmed to you over and over again, it starts to become truth. Well, not truth. It starts to become a belief, doesn't it? It starts to become a belief. If you're told you're not good enough and you're told that men only want you for sex, then over time, if that's said enough, it starts to become a belief. And then what happens is your energy becomes that. You become an energetic vibrational match for someone who only attracts men that want her for sex. And that's what you bring in because you're never going to bring in anyone else because you're not a vibrational match. So whatever you believe about yourself, whether it's that you're not good enough or anything like that, that is the people that will always always uh, mirror that back to you and but but here you are right 10 years single Bill you know you'll have had you'll have probably had relationships but I mean long term what kind of version of you are you being now to attract that right person should you want it Mm -hmm. I feel I, I feel a little bit that men are afraid of me I don't know if Mm. if I I ignite something in them that they're afraid of or if they've had a past trauma or experience that I remind them of but I just feel that men are very I Mm. I don't have many that come on strong but I don't know if I'm still still moving through this attraction towards the you know because obviously I've got it from being a child my parents were both emotionally unavailable so it's all very normal to me no, yeah. but I, I am I am working with that. And mm. and I know that I'm very happy on my own now. I'm very single and excited. I think I shared a post about that the other day. You know, it's I'm single, but I'm excited to be with me. You yeah. Know? You've got to be, Kelly, because uh, you know, the uh, we've said this before, you know, around mirrors and how Everyone is a mirror. And until you can fully accept and love yourself, and I mean really love parts of yourself, all of the shadows, um, all of those parts that have been shamed, you know, holding the space and loving them unconditionally, that doesn't mean that you need to, you can let go of parts of yourself that you don't want to move forward with in your life for sure. But if we judge and if we don't accept and, and love them unconditionally, then we're never going to attract that person if we want to attract another person we're never going to attract them into our life that's ever going to wholly and fully accept us and that's what's really important that you are saying that you're spending time with yourself you're you're you know you're learning to love these parts of yourself and no matter what you feel think do however you act it's catching yourself in this moment and with complete compassion and unconditional love as I said it doesn't mean that you need to accept it or move with it but unconditionally loving the parts of yourself because you know often old wounds just come up and once you get that and you really accept and and love it then that person is on its way he's on his way you know I think I think now because I've been single for so long and especially with this connection to my body and during these 10 years, some people have had two relationships, some have had three, mm-hmm. some have been married and divorced, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I've been on my own that whole time. So 
when couples or friends and groups of friends and things are lying in bed with their partners each night, thinking about having sex or not, I've not had a choice. You know, I've lay in my mm-hmm. bed and, and that's it. And, you know, these, this human desire, I feel like from the age of sort of 33 to 43, is a long time to to not be having sex and not be intimate with yeah. a, with a with a partner, you know, to feel held and 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 that external grip and and even just a cuddle mm. in bed, mm. and to have to sort of use a dating app and flick through it like you're window shopping. It's mm. you know, I, I just feel that there there needs to be change for to support people in their journey of reconnecting to their bodies, of um, de-shamifying what you feel. Because see if there was a place over the years, Jill, that I could have went to on a Friday night, say my daughter was at her dad's or whatever, right? And it's mm-hmm. Friday night, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And I could go to a club like the one I worked in where I could get a drink, I could have a little dance, and I could say, look, I'm going to book... Uh, Joe, I'm going to book Joe tonight and I'm going to have an hour in the room with Joe and make that a transaction. Mm. I would have used that service multiple times over the last 10 years. Uh But because I'm a woman and we we don't have, well, if we do have that available, I don't know about it and I'm terrified of it. Mm -hmm. So why don't we create a safe space or a a legal, legal place where we can go as women and 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 enjoy ourselves and have our needs met and, and be able mm-hmm. to pay for it and walk away feeling good and feeling serviced <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and and not be shamed and mm. try and discover what it is that we want to feel before, during, and after sex and have that journey as our own personal journey. Yeah. You know, where we can experiment with someone who's safe, who is signing a contract with us to say, I agree to provide this service with you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to cheat on you. You know, rather than having to go on Tinder and feel shame for saying, well, actually, I'm just looking for sex because I would Mm. never say that on Tinder. Mm. You know, Um, whereas guys, Mm -hmm. they don't either. Some of them do. It's rare. Mm -hmm. But most guys go, oh, how are you doing? I don't know what I'm looking for. If, like, if you're not clued up about dating apps, you can get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. Mm. Don't have clear boundaries. If you don't know what red flags are, if you don't have a deep sense of self, you can just go free falling through the dating apps, getting fucked and chucked left, right, and center. Wow. And people, I, I take this very seriously because I, I've had many men lie their way into my bed. And mm. also, I've not had sober sex for a very, very long time. So it was over the 10 years I've probably had sex, all whilst under the influence of alcohol. So mm. we need to be regulating that. First, it starts with us. We need to regulate it. But we also need to be speaking to society and saying and normalising having desires, wanting to have sex, not being shamed for it, and being able to use a healthy, reliable service that has got standards where we're safe. Yeah, for sure. There is a lot of shame in the sex industry. Holy moly, there is. It's so judgy. Um, but it is a sex is a basic need, isn't it? Of course like, it is. And actually, wouldn't it be great if you were getting your your needs met? In any way, shape, or form that is right for you, you know, my ways, I'm not saying my way is right for Kelly or anyone else listening. And Kelly's not saying her way is right for anyone else or me. But what we are saying is that your way is the right way and you should not feel shame. And actually, we do need to look at it more without judging. And I do see changes. I don't know if it's maybe just because I'm open to it now, but yeah. I am starting to see changes coming yeah definitely and it's it's so exciting so exciting because I think if everybody just loosened up a little from the very core you know we came from sex Mm. we came from our parents having sex we were born (laughs) out of you know out of a woman Mm -hmm. and and you know we need to embrace this intimacy 
like even there's there's a thing on Lad's Bible at the moment, a, a guy cracking jokes with his mum, you know, they're really rude, d- naughty mm-hmm. jokes. <laughs> it's so funny. And I just think spot on, brilliant, because there's a lot of comments. You shouldn't be talking to your mum like that. No, he should be talking to his mum. Well, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, because there's too many young lads out there who have not got a clue because their mums have got their head in the sand, not opening their eyes yeah. about how their son might be treating women because they've mm-hmm. not actually sat them down and spoke to them about how it feels to be a woman when a man mistreats you, mm. you know? Um, oh, I felt that passion there, Kelly. <laughs> eh? I felt that about women being mistreated by men from you as soon as you said that. Oh, definitely. Well, I, th- I think that is, I mean, I had, when I entered into your group, Jill, how we met, I was on death's doors at the hands of a narcissist and I had no idea what the word narcissist meant it was a friend that threw the word into the and I know that it gets thrown about a lot and I, I don't want to misuse it or diagnose I'm not a medical doctor all it would have taken was for for him to be honest like mm. I'm just looking for a shag do you know what I mean mm. <laughs> but the, it's like some people get fueled from your desperation to know well what are we or are are you coming this weekend or what's the plan and oh you know you know how I feel about you I really miss you but I can't come this way and and then all this gaslighting thinking that you're crazy and you know you're like this because your mum was like this you know once they know a piece of your information that's your child they use all these things just to get laid and have power you know? Wow. Oh, yeah. Kelly, I definitely see you in this space helping helping women in this space as well, for sure. Yeah. This is a whole a whole complex space for people. Everyone's got an opinion on it, but your way is the right way, I guess, is what I'm saying. Instead yeah. of, you know, your way is the right way for you as long as it's true and authentic to you. Trust it, trust yourself, live your truth. So the book is victim to vixen and it's a just just sharing some of my life experiences and where it took me but also sharing you know the choices that we have so you know like when you're attached sometimes when you're attached to something that makes you feel alive even when it's bad Mm. you know it makes you feel alive and then you're otherwise kind of boring life you know so Mm -hmm. you do stay in relationships that are maybe detrimental to your health and and maybe have you losing friends or reputation Mm -hmm. but it's it's like a supply to you as well and so the book's just about going from victim mode to 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 rising basically and and rising your awareness yeah amazing so when is that when are you looking to get that out can't just just with, within the year. <laughs> yes, I love it. Amazing. Oh, we need to get you back on when you've got the book. Yes, oh, I, Kelly. Would, I would love that. There'll be oh, some juicy, juicy little stories in there from my, my years of in the, the sex industry and things. <laughs> well, that's what we want. That's what we want. Listen, it's normalising it and it's helping so many other people in that space as well. Oh, Kelly, it's been so amazing chatting to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your wisdom, sharing your truth, your authenticity, and just being you and giving other people permission to do the same. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for asking me.